land welcome to caregiving is a ministry where we look at the word of god through the lens of caregiving don't forget to follow me on facebook at caregiving is a ministry all one word how are you doing today today's tuesday and uh yeah we're going on with our week aren't we but it's my birthday month so you know i'm doing something fabulous (laughs) today we are on or in the second not the second the seventh psalm And once again, I'll be reading from the New International Version. Lord my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Lord my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands, if I have repaid my ally with evil, or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Arise, Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God, decree justice. Let the assembled people gather around you while you sit enthroned over them on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples, vindicating me, Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. Bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. You, the righteous God who probes minds and hearts. My shield is God Most High, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. The trouble they call recoils on them. Their violence comes down on their heads. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing praises of the name of the Lord Most High. Okay, there is a lot to unpack here. (laughs) First things first, though, who do you think is the author of this psalm? I can't hear you. Yes, you are correct if you said David. What I have noticed, and I wonder if you've noticed it as well, is the Psalms that are more personal, 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 and by personal, I mean they have, they begin with the me or my, all of those seem to be penned by David. And that's something for us to keep tucked in our minds as we go through the the rest of the Psalms to see, you know, if, if this is David's kind of like signature move where he starts off the psalms by saying my god have mercy on me you know he makes it very personal personal don't know why i can't say that word today but we'll see right next what category do you think this psalm falls under remember there are five lament praise thanksgiving royalty and wisdom what do you think Well, this one falls under lament. It's a song of lament. And um, when we consider all that we know about David and all that he went through, I think we can understand why um, 
he's often sorrowful and anguished at times. We can understand that, right? So maybe the majority of his psalms will be that way. Because as you know, for any um, of you out there who are writers or journal journal journalers <laughs> or creatives, you know that writing kind of gets your emotion out. It, it keeps it from being bottled up inside you. And when you put it on paper, it's like a release. So I kind of think this is what David was doing as well. But what I want to do, because we have, what, 17 verses here, I want to try to break the psalm up into subcategories that I found as I was reading it. Some of them fall under lament, but some of them don't. Because in this psalm, David incorporates all of them. So beginning with verses 1 through 5, to me, that's clearly lament. He starts off with, you're my refuge and you will deliver me. But then he starts to talk about being torn apart. And and, and that kind of shows, and actually it's verses 1 through two the first two verses well one through five they're still clearly lamenting verses six through eleven that's where we have the imprecation where David is trying to arouse God's anger towards his enemy he doesn't necessarily say go out and kill but he's talking about God arise and and have rage on my enemies and so that's imprecation Verses 12 through 16, to me, lean more toward the prophetic. So let's listen again and see if you agree. It says, um, if he does not relent, meaning God, he will sharpen his sword. He will blend and string his, bend and string his bow bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit that they have. The trouble they call recoils on them. Their violence comes down on their heads. So it's it's like he's saying what is to come when you are his enemy or in general, when you're going against the will of God, what God will do to those who do not adhere to them. So almost prophetic, I guess, in a sense. Of course, that's not a stated category that I found, but I just find that those particular verses lend itself to that. You can agree or disagree. And then the very last verse, David expresses his thanks. So that's thanksgiving. There's a lot in this one little psalm, isn't there? Two to three subcategories. And so that's why it's important that when you're reading God's word, you take your time and you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal certain things to you. But out of all of these, these 17 verses, what can we learn today? First, I believe we can learn that the men and women of the Bible were just like us. David, not only in this psalm, but in all of his psalms, right? He gives us a front front row seat to what he is experiencing in his heart. Did you catch that? His heart. Recall who knows the hearts of man. It's the Lord, right? And so it's very hard for us to know what's going on in people's hearts. Sure, um, what they do, their behaviors will give us a good indication but not always, and we can't always be 100% certain. God 
is the only one who can see what is in our hearts, even when we don't necessarily understand what is in our hearts. But what God did through David in penning these psalms is allow us to see what God sees in an individual. The men and women of the Holy Bible faced trials and tribulations just like we do. And we get to see how they fail to rely on God and then are miserable are those who place their trust in God and come out in victory. We get to see how God orchestrates their lives so that they come in direct contact with him, either by way of a prophet, an apostle, or a king such as King Darius who fasted while David was in the lion's den so that God would save him, or a Pharaoh who hardened his heart against God so that Israel could see the mighty hand of God working for them, or of course, through his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. They all had to reconcile who they would follow, who they would believe in, what they wanted their lives to stand for, So when you're reading, do not hold the men and women of the Bible in such a hard, high regard. The only person we reserve that esteem for is Jesus. Everybody else was no better than you or I. God extended to them grace and he does so with us. That's one thing that I learned from this. The second is that this psalm teaches us that confessing is truly good for the soul. David in verses um, three through five is inviting God to take inventory into his own actions. He is asking God to show him where he has fallen short so that he can both understand his current situation, but also, I believe, to repent. This verse also highlights to me how David, just like us, is questioning why he is in this current current season of his life. Was it something that he did that brought this on? And we've addressed this before. God is never punishing us when we are in trials, but he could be testing us or allowing us to suffer the consequences of bad decisions, right? Which is different from punishment. The difference, you ask? (laughs) Well, when God allows us to go through a trial for, the, um, for that season, it's to make us better. The reason is to make us better. He wants us to learn how to trust him. He wants us to see that by not trusting him, things could get pretty, pretty squirrely. And he wants us to, and, or he wants to bring to the surface, to our consciousness, areas that we need to surrender to him. All of that is working a bad situation out for our good. Does that sound familiar? Because it's a verse, remember? And these things are being allowed out of love, out of God's love for us. And we're going to be the ones that benefit in the end. Now, to contrast this with punishment, punishment is never for the benefit of the one being punished, but the one administering the punishment. Punishment is done out of anger. You're there's never going to be an outcome when someone's just trying to punish you that's not how it works third it reminds us this psalm reminds us that God has the last say in all matters I want you to notice in verses 10 and 16 David acknowledges that God is his shield why does God uh, David need a shield because God will avenge him right and will shield him when his wrath, God's wrath, on the wicked prevail. We need a shield because we live in a sin-sick world, and God does administer vengeance on the wicked, 
but not on his children. And his shield protects us when he's doing that. This mirrors to me what we read in the New Testament when God says that, you know, the wheat and the tare grow together. That's kind of like the good and the bad. And so it's hard to separate. Why? Because we don't know men's hearts, right? But when he returns, God will do the separating. We are to never be so consumed with seeking vengeance because God has stated that that's his job. It belongs to him. However, we can seek justice and our justice is always to be an an extension of God's love. Fourth and finally, this psalm shows us that even in the middle of our mess, we need to start with the right mindset. David begins this psalm by declaring where his loyalty lies. Taking refuge in God shows David trusts God. And I want you to think about that for a moment. You're in the middle of a storm, right? Do you run for cover under a carport that has no sides and not so strong of a roof? Or do you run to a cellar that is underground and the door is made of iron? Two scenarios there, right? You would run to the latter because you're definitely going to be safe there. God, as our refuge, is all that we need for protection. He's like the cellar. When you get down there, it's warm. You can have, you know, outfit your cellar with electricity and snacks if you want to, but you're protected. And that is why at the end of David's pleading, verse 17, and at the end of his begging, he gives thanks to God because he knows that God will take care of him. Today, dear ones, I ask that you remember that you do not take God by surprise. Nothing you do or say or think ever catches God by surprise. He made you and he knows you have flaws. That's why he sent his son to bridge the gap, allowing you to enter into his presence where you can gain his wisdom and strength not to go where your natural tendencies lead. I want you to ask God to search your heart and bring to your memory things that you are doing or saying or thinking that do not line up with his word. And last, I want you to remember that God is in control no matter what is going on in your life with your loved one as you're taking care of it. And that because you know God is in control, you can place your complete trust in him. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for being the Lord, our God, for not just being the Lord who took care and watched over David or over Abraham or over Sarah, over Mary and Martha, over the apostles, but the God who takes care of us, that our names are written in the palms of your hands and that you know us intimately and that you have orchestrated a life that will be pleasing to you. Just give us the heart to follow you. Help us to think of you first thing in the morning and the last thing at night, coming to you in the morning saying, thank you for being our God, for taking care of us, and at the end of the day saying the same thing, thank you for being our God and taking care of us. Help us to realize that 
even though we're going through struggles, that it is not a punishment, but that we can come to you and we can be honest and tell you that we are afraid and tell you that we need you to answer us and tell you that we need to feel your arms of protection around us. But then as we get through pleading, allow your Holy Spirit to gently remind you that you are here, that you are very near, and that all we need to do is trust you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for being a God who is so accessible, a God who is right here with us, and a God who will always work out the bad things that are going on in our lives for your good. We praise your name, and we thank you for being our God. And today is the day that we will sing praises to your name. You are the Lord Most High. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you have a great Tuesday. Go and minister the act of care giving in the name of Jesus. See you tomorrow. Bye.